Welcome to the new series Eastern India in Transition. In this first episode, I explain to you why history of regions in India are so very important and why regional histories have remained neglected over the years. There was a marked shift in uh, historiography of period between 750 and 1200 with the greater emphasis being placed on the regional developments perhaps uh, this development hinges upon the arrival of the turks and the establishment of the delhi sultanate it is quite intriguing intriguing to observe observe that monographs and research on the delhi sultanate actually dominate the historiography on state formation histories of the region do appear on the historiographical terrain but if we look carefully that it is only after the disintegration of the delhi sultanate that that the history of the regions are being projected it is almost as if uh, no other state apart from the delhi sultanate existed in the period uh, ranging from the 13th and the 15th century this is what we actually get an impression recent research uh, over the last one decade or so uh, has shown that uh, how the study of state formation as well as the you know uh, religious and the cultural transformation in various regions have become vital and they have become indispensable to combat the earlier points of view which used to put tremendous emphasis on on the political fragmentation fragmentation that followed the collapse of the delhi sultanate so so the earlier accounts of historiography are also uh, you know suspect because they do not take the processes the processes of continuous state formation from the local roots at the regional levels into their account thus uh, what we see is that an alternative historiography is increasingly contemplating the study of regions not only from uh, 1200 onwards that is 13th century but from uh you know even earlier period and even you know after the coming of the moguls uh, you find that you know people have started writing and then there is a actually uh you know a search for writing the history of the regions even during the heydays of the mughal empire so in this historiography the existence of the powerful delhi sultanate or the mughal empire 
is not contradicted it is not questioned rather the the two the two delhi centric empires the delhi sultanate and the mughals are basically indicative of an important interventionist moment so the research now is directed towards indigenous processes the processes of social and intellectual developments in different regions of india uh uh if you you must have heard of uh, the works of bd chatopadhyay and haman kulke these two historians have actually identified uh, very important key historical processes that gain momentum from the 8th century onwards and there was some kind of a vertical and horizontal expansion of state society there was also uh, i mean these historians also talked about the assimilation and the acculturation of the earlier tribal population for example arman kulke has shown in the case of uh, orissa and then there was also a uh, uh, a key feature in their work on the integration of the local religious cults and practices uh herman kulke in particular in his uh, work on odisha which in fact uh, he wrote a book very interesting book which became very uh, popular and it is one of the most cited books called kings and cults in that book he has argued that the large tribal population and the many scattered uh, uh, centers of settlement in uh, medieval orissa they actually provide an exceptionally uh, vivid kind of an example or illustration of of uh, how the growth of regional polities actually uh, take shape so uh, basically he has tried to show that uh, you know how the regional polities dovetailed into the incorporation of indigenous deities and then he tells us about the you know the peasantization of the tribal societies now when he talks about the peasantization and when he talks about this integration of the tribal cults he's basically uh, formulating a scheme a scheme of uh, some kind of progressive stages of medieval state formation from where the chieftains uh, have uh, have uh, grown into early kingdoms and then these early kingdoms emerge as imperial kingdoms um this you know the when we talk about the regions uh, this term region is actually something which is which has been uh, spoken about by many historians um, but uh, there is one historian who has uh, defined this term region in a very interesting and uh, very uh, uh, very uh, simple way and that is uh, uh, derick lodrick Derek Lodrick actually uh, says that you know each 
human collectivity has some sense of place all right so he says that there is a subjective connection to its natural and man-made environment so what he uh, is trying to suggest that you know when there is this kind of a uh, uh, human collectivity or a kind of a subjective connection uh, he uh, the humans is actually uh, connecting itself to it, his own environment and so he he gets connected to the environment that is the local environment the local ecology and uh, then there is uh, this 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 sense actually the sense of place the sense of environment uh, is also associated with the physical features the ecological features the the social patterns the you know the historical traditions and of course the cultural landscapes so uh, when lotric is talking about a region he says that uh, you know these regions are actually grounded in objective realities so he says that they are although also uh, subjective constructs because you know you have both the outsider and, and insiders but then he says that uh, uh, when we are talking about a region it is also at the same time essential for us as historians to talk about the regional identity so when we are talking of regional identity we are actually trying to explore an idea right so while we uh, in fact uh, uh, Lodric, uh, when he is talking about region and this kind of an uh, identity formation of region, he has given a case study of Rajasthan, and he has done a very interesting case study of Rajasthan, wherein he says that you know the desert and the ma manner in which uh, people used to dress themselves, you know even the Rajput clans. I mean, historians are very critical of the Rajputs, but then you know the people of Rajasthan themselves actually identified uh, with the Rajput clans. So it, these categories like you know the dressing of the people, the Rajput clans, they have uh, helped in creating an image of Rajasthan. So there, is, there are also uh, some kind of elements of specific environmental setting. You know there is also kind of a cultural tradition there is also, you know, you will find some kind of a social structure. These are the elements which have played significant role in shaping the characters of different regions. And this Lodric has shown in the case of uh, modern day Rajasthan. Uh, there are many historians who believe that the regions uh, of India are actually real and they are not merely geographic and administrative accidents so when we talk of uh, you know these regions these are also the regions where even though there has been some kind of invasions taking place by the uh, you know the powerful ruling authorities from different directions but these regions had their own characters they, these regions had their own you know identity which did not diminish so easily uh, uh, 
the in fact uh, if we uh, look at the histories of various regions uh, there is some kind of an you know inner uh, dynamic to it in fact it's you know it's in her inner inner uh, characteristic distinguishes one region and its history from another that's why you know the the two two regions of two different uh, geographical zones appear to be so different it's basically because of these you know characters within the region so the conceptualization of the regions and the emergence of regional identities reflect the processes the processes involved in the complex uh, we can say as you know complex historical and cultural forces which actually work in particular environmental setting and this kind of an evolution the process that i'm talking about actually takes place over a long period of time it's 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 something which is uh, which is not a development or a progress of few years it has taken shape over a longer period of time and that's why it is very difficult to get diminished so easily by one or two uh, invasions so uh, the objective why you know why regional studies are so important uh, i'm suggesting is that you know these regional studies uh, present a clearer and more complete picture of india and it is this kind of a regional study or regional history that you know that provides uh, that provides uh, in the to the to to us as uh, you know as students of history uh, the rationale and the justification for doing regional studies uh, another very prominent historian who has worked on uh, the regional identity has been and, and of, uh, it is one of the most cited work is the work of Cynthia Talbot who uh, who has uh, talked about the you know the merged linguistic and political affiliation which was expressed during the era of uh, kakatiyas in the 12th and the you know not only 12th but even in the 13th and the 14th century so uh, cynthia talbot talks about the you know the territorial boundaries and the boundaries of these you know this kakatiya state uh, where you know there was it this was a territory which was uh, harmonized with the telugu speaking people now uh, that's why uh, Cynthia Talbot argues that uh, because of this character, this you know, this uh, uh, long evolved character, that this uh, continued to persist even after the demise of the Kakatiyas in medieval Andhra. So Talbot is actually uh, uh, talking about the growth of regional societies and. Uh, she argues that it was the most outstanding feature of the medieval period. So this is a period uh, of the 13th and the 14th century when the Delhi Sultanate was ruling. So uh, 
Talbot is also speaking of this kind of a regional state, you know, the regional uh, identity that was so prominent, even though, you know, the mainstream histories do not talk about. Um, in fact, in many other parts of India, uh, they, the, this kind of a proliferation of polities have taken shape. They, they have taken place. And, but the problem is about the sources. Now, just because over a period of time, we have depended so much on the Persian sources, the Persian narratives, that we do not get anything uh, on our plate uh, in terms of the regional histories. So it's, it's impossible, it's impossible to conceive this idea that in such a vast country with such vast, uh, you know, regional characters and, you know, cultures, uh, we, we won't be having uh, the regional kingdoms. Because this is a fact that uh, although Delhi Sultanate was an, you know, a powerful kingdom, but it, it never remains so powerful for the entire three centuries, uh, the history of which we actually study. There were certain moments when Delhi Sultanate was very powerful, but it was not throughout. S similar is the situation with the Mughal Empire. It's impossible. And then there are, you know, certain ecological compulsions, which did not allow the empires like the Mughals, who were very powerful on the horses, who were very powerful in, in the you know, the gunpowder technologies, it was not possible sometimes uh, in different regions of India to invade those territories and control those territories for a longer duration of period. So, uh, uh, my understanding is that the study of region is very important, very important to understand the, the diversity of India. But you will find that in the historiography of medieval and early modern India, the, you know, we study mainly about the great empires, the empires of Delhi Sultanate, the empires of the Mughals. Uh, interestingly, uh, late 20th century research uh, did not care to talk about the proliferation of many of the smaller states. Even though there are sources available for them. And this was not, not done on the ground by suggesting that, uh, you know, these were, these uh, smaller states are peripheral. They are, they were, you know, historically insignificant which I think is a wrong way of understanding the history. Uh, as you know that there is uh, no disagreement among uh, historians over the fact that uh, early medieval period uh, saw the emergence of uh, emergence and also the uh, spread of a large number of smaller states Excuse me. But the reasons for this uh, development uh, 
required more introspection. And you've seen that uh, uh, there has been a work of R.S. Sharma, one of the pioneers, uh, pioneer historians of early medieval period and ancient period, who gave an hypothesis of Indian feudalism, what we know as the Indian feudalism model. Uh, uh, through this model, uh, Professor Sharma tried to, uh, you know, suggest uh, some kind of political disintegration that was taking shape after the uh, 8th century. So, uh, you know, uh, in the same hypothesis, you've also observed that the system of uh, land grants resulted in the alienation of uh, large tracts of land. And this was, you know, this alienation took place uh, because uh, there was lesser royal control. So there was a disintegration of the uh, centralized ruling authority. This uh, uh, also meant that there was a fragmentation of political authority. That is, there was a lack of strong central power. Now, uh, when there are, uh, this, this Indian feudalism model and the proponent of the Indian feudalism model talk about this disintegration, political disintegration, uh, it also talks about uh, the medieval economy uh, being, you know, demonetized. Uh, you know, the, uh, the urban centers getting de-urbanized. And at the same time, it talks about, you know, the levels of trade dropping very, uh, you know, steeply. So the explosion of states uh, in this kind of an hypothesis was some kind of a symptom, uh, symptom and also a cause of regression. But, you know, uh, it is very important uh, for us to understand that smaller states were situated in those zones or those areas uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, that uh, comprised not the dispersed fragments, this, the dispersed fragments of the previous central government, but these were new formations, new formations which had, uh, you know, come out of the extension of uh, agrarian settlements. And this has resulted in the growth of population in those areas. So basically, uh, these are the pockets uh, where the Delhi Sultanate or the Mughal Empire ruled primarily and which was the uh, you know the core of the empire it was largely the the gangetic plain so outside this gangetic plain the smaller pockets of settled agriculture had emerged and there was you know this agricultural land had emerged uh, in between the vast tracts of forested land now, along these agrarian tracks, uh, you will also find that, uh, and then there has been a work of Chattopadhyay and Kulke and 
Sintet Talbot, they have all shown uh, that there were, you know, within these, you know, agrarian tracts, smaller political powers and new kind of political elites, they evolved. Now, uh, the study of the region um, also has a very important rationale. It is, uh, that's why we are studying uh, Eastern India. So, I'm taking Eastern India as a broader uh, regional category. But then, of course, within that broader regional category, you also have different, you know, smaller regionals, regions, where you have different regional characters and regional identities. In Eastern India case, we have regions like Bihar, we have regions like Bengal, we have regions like Assam. We have regions uh, uh, which later on emerged as Bangladesh. So these are different regions in Eastern India, which had its own regional characters. And that's why, you know, they, they, it is very essential for us to study these regions. And that is, in fact, the rationale for the study of regions. Uh, you know, if unless until we do this kind of a study of regions, uh, uh, you know, the, of course, the challenge is about the sources. Uh, but then just by suggesting that we have very limited sources of the regions, we will not be doing the history of these regions is, I think, a wrong uh, belief. We have, as a historian, as historic, you know, students of history, we have to take the challenges. We have to take the challenges, new challenges of looking for new sources, digging new sources and studying history with, you know, in new ways. So we, when we talk of, you know, conventionally, what we are seeing is that, you know, when we talk of the histories, we are talking more in terms of political histories. We are talking more in terms of, you know, economies and more in terms of uh, the economic progress or economic declines. Whereas the fact is that more than these economies and politics, there are other ways through which, you know, histories could be studied. And one of the, you know, emerging fields of study is the environmental history. So we can study the history of, you know, these regions in terms of environment. We can study the history of these regions by understanding the regional characters and of course, uh, when we do these studies, we will be using a variety of sources. So we do not have to bank on these, you know, uh, you know, kind of sources that we have used for Delhi Sultan and the Mughal Empire. These were all court chronicles, largely court chronicles, which over a period of time were translated or sometimes, you know, we, we consider the descriptions given in those Persian sources as the facts, as the realities and tried to build history on that basis, which is actually not the history of the entire community. 
the state sources, the state chronicles would hardly talk about the common man. It will hardly talk about the, you know, the dispossessed. It will hardly talk about the subalterns. So their history, that's why till now has remained unexposed. It has remained, you know, unexplored largely because, you know, just because, you know, you don't have the easy access to the sources. And it has remained unexplored because historians think that these, the sources that are available to us for those regions are not the ones which are similar to structured Persian narratives. So now the researchers, uh, obviously these, these are the new challenges for the historians and for the researchers. So they are now putting up a lot of uh, effort and there is more emphasis on, you know, different kind of sources like you have uh, in the case of <coughs> Rajasthan, you have emphasis on the Badic narratives. In the case of, uh, we will see in the case of Eastern India, we have a lot of emphasis on the vernacular literatures. Uh, in fact, B.D. Chetopadhyay and Harman Kulke uh, made major breakthroughs in their study of local state formation in early medieval period. And similarly, you know, uh, later on, many people have worked and they have started working on the history of the regions. So more and more work is coming up in for Gujarat, for, you know, Malwa, you have more works coming out. Obviously, Vijayanagar is one empire which um, had a, uh, which saw a lot of uh, research. But then there were other regions also. Uh, now, obviously, uh, in the past, uh, there was regional studies on, you know, in, in the context of 8th to the 13th century India. Then there were also studies on these regional kingdoms like the Vijayanagar. However, the regional studies actually, um, the emphasis on the regional studies, the, they suddenly vanish immediately after this early medieval period or for that matter when the Delhi Sultanate uh, uh, history is in uh, progress. Similarly, you know, similar is the case with the Mughal empires. When, when you have the Mughal history in progress, people forget about writing the history of the regions. So now this kind of a Delhi-centered historiography um, suddenly uh, becomes important to make regional states as, you know, non-entities. And one of the possible reasons, as I suggested earlier, uh, the reason for this uh, lies uh, in the relatively easy availability of the primary sources, obviously in the form of Persian narratives that we have for Delhi Sultanate and the Mughal Empire. So, I, in fact, uh, many historians over the period of time have now started questioning the very use of the term empire for the Mughals. Uh, 
the the abundance of literary sources uh, on the Delhi Sultanate and the Mughal Empire it has made the knowledge of a largely and also you know predominantly North Indian kind of an empire you know to say the least because you know um, although it talks about the chronicles talks about the expansion of these kingdoms the Delhi Sultanate and the Mughals their expansion into you know different remote parts of India but if you read these uh, Persian chronicles carefully they appear to be more like uh, North Indian empires you know and but you know if uh, but it is also significant that that some regional states continue to exist even when the Delhi Sultanate was ruling and even when the Mughals were ruling there were many states which were independent and that's why the powerful rulers had to powerful rulers like you know Muhammad Shah Tughlaq he had to campaign up to south he had to invade to the territories of South India that's why you know when he campaigned and tried to control take control of South India he shifted his capital from Delhi to Dalatabad now it is also essential for us to understand that unless until he has faced some challenges from regional kingdoms he has not decided to reconsider of reconsidering the shift of the capital again back to Delhi that itself suggests that the regions at that time were powerful and there these regions exists, existed so you know I don't understand why you know the study of the regions have remained uh, absent from history of India when you know when the Delhi Sultanate was under rule or when the Mughal kingdom was under the rule uh, obviously uh, as I suggested that over the last few uh, uh, years there has been a lot of work on the you know formation of regional states there were there are works on Malwa there are works on Gujarat there are works on you know uh, Rajasthan especially in Mewar you have the work of uh, uh, Nandini Sinak uh, on uh, on Mewar. Richard Eaton has written a very interesting work on Bengal, wherein he's tried to actually fill the gap of this kind of a you know gap of the highly dominated North Indian history. So he, he has actually tried to fill this gap by highlighting the importance of the regional states. They, in fact, his work highlights the continuity of the processes, the processes of regional state formation, which cut across the conventional divide, the conventional divide that we see uh, in in medieval period itself. You know, so in fact, when you do these regional studies, 
you will also find that you are you know this kind of a divide that we do the ancient medieval and modern divide it is also getting blurred because in those kind of you know conventional and mainstream histories it you know if you look at the divides they are largely or more or less um, you know based on although they talk about the you know the changes in the socioeconomic uh, uh, socioeconomic conditions but they are largely based on you know these kingdoms so you know why is it that you know early medieval period ends with the 12th century after the 12th century and with the coming of the delhi sultanate this is something to be questioned why is it that we talk about the emergence of the modern period we, we say that the modern period starts in the 18th century after the 18th century this also this is a period which also coincides with the decline of the mughal empire the disintegration of the mughal empire and the emergence of the british east india company so these are the questions so the moment you start doing study of these regions these conventional divides get blurred uh and then i told you that uh, it's not very easy it's not very easy to write the history of these regions uh because you do not get any you know all the sources like we got in terms of delhi sultanate and the mughal empire for regions you have different variety of sources and you have to explore those sources you have to explore various other kinds of data you have to use various proxy data to understand the you know environmental conditions so this paper of eastern india is actually uh based on uh obviously new sources and also it talks about the new ways of studying history it is it is in fact away from you know the conventional way of doing history